0: Welcome to the export. I'm Riven X, and alongside me as always is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who mentioned to me that they recently have just gotten back into wrestling. So, how are you feeling about the new designs for the WWE titles?
1: Uh, I actually like them. I think, uh, like, the one that Roman has, I like. I can't. I like the intercontinental i like honestly i like all of them i think the world whirlwind it looks good it's just it's like one of the things where I'm, i like the old classic yeah one back in the um adi- not attitude era but ruthless aggression era that's like my favorite title the big out of all. yeah so i think they all look good
0: I agree. I think the big gold belt was the biggest adjustment for me, because like you said, like I'm used to just seeing the belt itself, but I mean, I get it for branded reasons and wanting to switch it up, you kind of want to put the WWE emblem in there. But I mean, as it's been, what, a month or so now, and it's grown on me. I like it. Uh, Roman's title is cool, and then the women, I mean, they just got, like, white straps on theirs, and I really don't have an issue with it. I mean, I really didn't care what the new title was, the one that Seth has, as long as they added a new title because just having roman being the world champion and that's it i don't think that was working anymore um but now it's the best of both worlds uh but we got a really cool show for you guys today with regards to the nfl we are going to discuss whether or not running backs are the most disrespected position in all of the nfl we're going to move on to the nba while congratulating the denver nuggets for winning their first ever nba championship as well as discuss some possible trade ideas and try to figure out the futures for a couple of potential free agent point guards in Fred VanVleet and CP3. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the TheXReport.net. I repeat TheXReport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow X Report writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado... Let's go ahead and get this bad boy started with some roster moves around the NFL. Starting with the Los Angeles Rams, who've been very quiet this offseason. They made a move to strengthen their offense, bringing in veteran wide receiver Demarcus Robinson. For those of you who don't know, he was leading wide receiver for my Ravens last year. So I was kind of hoping we would have re sign him before the Nelson Aguilar, Odell... Zay Flowers' moves happening, so not too heartbroken about seeing him leave and hope he balls out there. The Denver Broncos poached Frank Clark from the Kansas City Chiefs, signing him to a one-year deal worth up to 7.5 mil after incentives. I know you're a defensive guy, so how do you like this move? Because I think it's a really good move, especially with the losses that they've had along their defensive front over the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good move because like he could be a guy at least for a year if you could bring in to replace like a Bradley Chubb, he could be a number one pass rusher when fully healthy. And I just think it's a great move simply because you're taking away a guy from your competition. <clears throat> like you're you're getting him from the Chiefs who even though I, I would not be surprised if I looked up again this year and see them in the Super Bowl, like but I remember these past playoffs, Frank Clark played a huge part in it. He kinda he kind of played like the role of like the old Paul Pierce, where during the regular season he wasn't good, but then he kind of stepped it up a little bit during the playoffs. Um, or even the Jimmy Butler, because I forget, I really don't like Paul Pierce, so I say Jimmy Butler. But like he, he kind of stepped his game up in the playoffs and performed more than he he was worth. So I think it's a good move for the Broncos.
0: Yeah, I mean, for everything that you just said, and I mean. Because we talked about this when it was announced that they signed uh, Randy Gregory from the Cowboys. He's been pretty unreliable, and he continues a streak of not playing the full 16 games last season. He got hurt and missed several games for them. They traded away Bradley Chubb about a year and a half ago, almost two years. They traded away Von Miller. Uh, Brandon Browning has shown some potential, but overall it seems like they've lost a lot more along that D-line than they've gained. So I think this is a nice step in the right direction. The opposite, however, can be said for the Minnesota Vikings, who have suffered from a pretty big roster overhaul throughout the course of the past few months. For example, uh, they released veteran wide receiver Adam Thielen, did not resign veteran cornerback Patrick Peterson, let go of longtime linebacker Eric Kendricks, and now most recently have officially uh, released running back Dalvin Cook, long-term mainstay in that offense, not exactly a surprise, but now it's just a matter of where is he gonna go? I mean, everybody's mentioned him with being connected to the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills, but let's be a little bit more creative than that. Let's say those two teams are off the board. What team do you think should make a serious run at Dalvin Cook?
1: Oh, um, I'll give you. A couple options. If a team that might want him as, like, to be their workhorse, I would say I'll throw out, like, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, just because I know, like, they won't win anything, but it could be something that, like, when Kyler comes back, if you could bring him in so he still healthy, like, it could be a dynamic, like, that'd be a backfield, in my opinion. Um, some other teams, like I'll say, one of them being the Titans, because even though it's circulation around them trade, there here. You could you could go the route of being like, hey, instead of trading him, we can keep him, find another veteran running back that's probably gonna not want that you could potentially get for a cheaper price tag and kind of have. Another iteration of the smash and dash backfield that they used to have with Lyndon and White on and, um, TJ2K. Uh, so that's probably what I would say. But I don't think it'll happen.
0: Yeah, I would have a hard time seeing Dalvin Cook being in a running back by committee situation. Especially because, you know, a bulk of the carries is still going to go to Derrick Henry. I mean, I think that if you really want to invest in a run game, that could be very interesting if you're Tennessee, especially if you don't necessarily trust your wide receiver core, which totally understandable. But I we, I agree with you about Arizona. That was actually one of my teams as well. Um, another team that I would throw into, uh, into the mix is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know that this is not a team that right now has been getting a lot of pop. I mean, Tom Brady retires. You plan on replacing him with either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Neither of those guys have inspired too much faith, but still looking at that offense, they have a lot of weapons. Mike Evans is still in tow. Chris Godwin's still there. Russell Gage is pretty good as well. Tristan Wurst is still one of the best young offensive tackles in the league. And I think that with Dalvin Cook, if you put him into that offense, it kind of, not to say the quarterback doesn't matter, but you're putting so many weapons around whoever your quarterback is that it takes a lot of pressure off of them you're having an off game throwing the ball all right cool well you can run the ball you got Dalvin Cook back there they still have uh, Rashad White who they can get the ball out to who's a bit faster I just think that Tampa Bay they've thrived in recent years by maximizing their potential with their weapons on the outside and in that run game and I think that they could potentially do that again here Um, Unfortunately, that's not where we're going to stop with the Minnesota Vikings because they have another player who could potentially be on the out. Star defensive end Daniil Hunter is holding out mandatory minicamp as he is hoping to get a new contract. Uh, Reportedly this year, he is only slated to make $5.5 million, which is absolute chump change. Uh, Reportedly, the Vikings are receiving trade calls surrounding Daniil Hunter and things are getting Pretty serious. So first things first, if you are the Minnesota Vikings, are you going to try to work something out with daniel Hunter, or do you think it's best to see what you can get for him on the trade market?
1: I think you should try to work something out simply because you're in a very wonderful division. Like in my opinion, like, the Vikings can still win in division with everything that they've lost. Um and. Like, you still have Justin Jefferson. You still have, um, what's the running back's name? Madison? Yeah.
0: Alexander Madison, yep.
1: Like, you still have some pieces there that you can work with. So, and the thing is, is just like improving on the defensive side of the football and keeping Daniel Hunter is like, he can help you do that. So, I, if I were doing it, I would try to figure out a way to keep him. But if push comes to sub, then just go to the trade route and see what you can get for him.
0: I recently had a conversation about Daniil Hunter with somebody who knows the Vikings well. And I'm going to tell you, like I told them, I don't see the reason to create an issue if it's not there, especially because this is a team that defense has been a major issue for them. And so one of the few bright spots has been their pass rush, per- primarily from Denarius, I mean, uh, Daniil Hunter. You already let go of Zadarius Smith, who's been a constant contributor for you. D- Daniil Hunter, when healthy, has been a double digit sack guy for you. I just don't understand why let him go and run the risk of not being able to rush the passer. Sure, you just brought in Marcus Davenport on a one-year deal, but I mean, he's been so up and down. His heart's really gauged what you have in him. You've uh, spent some draft picks on guys hoping that they can boost your pass rush. But again, you have a proven commodity. I think the best bet is trying to take care of him, especially because if we're being honest, I would argue that right now there are three best players are justin jefferson Daniil hunter and harrison smith and so i don't see the benefit of letting any of those guys go unless you absolutely have to but like you said i mean if you're gonna lose them you might as well get something out of them um and so because of that i do think they're gonna end up trading them but if i'm the vikings i would try my best to make it work but right, let's say he is on the trade block what team do you think makes the most sense for him
1: um, honestly, in my opinion, the team that I mentioned earlier, I would say the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I know he's looking for a bigger contract than what the Vikings offered. I don't really know what the Chiefs cap room is looking like. But I definitely think that you can potentially get him, add him to that team, and it'll just be a match, match heavy because he's, he's stepping into a position they need that the Chiefs have. And he could be
0: a difference maker on the Super Bowl caliber team. All right. Uh for me, not being biased, I'm gonna say the Baltimore Ravens. This off this offseason has pretty much been all about fixing that offense, getting Lamar signed up, adding some more weapons at wide receiver, which was the biggest area of need for years. And that is great. But now they still have an area that can use a little bit of work, and that's with the pass rush. There's a lot of expectations on David Ajabo and Adape Owe, who are both entering very pivotal years of their career, especially if we don't end up bringing back Justin Houston, who was our lead sacker. So right now we don't exactly have a proven commodity in terms of an edge rusher. I think if Baltimore were to bring in Daniil Hunter, especially with this deal being as cheap as it is, I think that it gives you kind of that insurance policy to let's say these two young cats don't step up. At least you know you got Daniil Hunter on the edge who can provide... Provide some pressure and wreak havoc, especially because we already know that the offenses in the AFC North this offseason have all gotten better. The best way that you can counteract that is by being able to rush the pal- passer. We have a good secondary, even though I still want to bring Marcus Peters back. I feel like we have the best linebacker duo in the AFC, and I'll argue that point with anybody. We just got to get a, a fighter and somebody with uh, who can provide a spark on that D-line. And I think Daniel Hunter would perfectly fit that role all right last piece before we move on from the Minnesota Vikings but like I said they've lost quite a few players this offseason so in your opinion between Dalvin Cook Adam Thielen Patrick Peterson and Eric Kendricks which loss do you think is going to hurt them the most this season
1: um I'm torn between Dalvin Cook and Eric uh, Kendricks Kendricks Just because, like, I know you have Justin, you still have Justin Jefferson, but now, like, your offense, in my opinion, and don't get me wrong, I think Alexander Madison is a great, he'll step in to be serviceable, but it's just a difference in looking in the backfield and knowing that you got a guy that can take over a game back there, then seeing a guy that can be like, okay, he can be a solid starting running back, but he's not. "Quote unquote a game changer, and he can very well develop into that now with more playing time. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you're losing a pretty good linebacker. And I know we're going to talk about in a in a couple couple segments from now we're going to talk about the the value and devaluation devalu- of running backs. But I think the same thing can be said about linebackers. Like people devalue linebackers in today's NFL." From the defensive standpoint, just the same way that they devalue running backs. And I think those are two, like, especially when you have a guy like Kirk Cousins who can be turnover prone, having a strong running game and then using the play action that help make throws easier would, be, would do wonders. And then on the defensive side of the ball, like, bro, y'all y'all already bad on defense. And now you're going to go one of y'all better players that was on a bad defense so i would say those two guys
0: i'm gonna stick on the defensive side of the ball but i'm gonna say patrick peterson and before y'all say i'm being biased again just hear me out this secondary already had its struggles but by far patrick peterson was the best cornerback that they had he accounted for a third of their sacks with five led the team with 15 pass deflections had a pick six had a block kick also led all dbs with three tackles for loss i mean he did just about everything that the vikings could have asked for them and when you look at this offseason they haven't really done much to replace him i mean they brought in byron murphy who was supposed to be the top guy in arizona but i mean their secondary wasn't good so what does that say to you if they're willing to let their quote-unquote best corner leave um they're expecting a lot of andrew Booth, who missed out his on his rookie year because of injuries um they really just have not done much in that secondary to try to find a top tier guy and so I think that for like you said a defense that's already been struggling you take away a really big piece losing your cornerback one and it's hard enough finding a cornerback one in this league so I think that losing him is going to take a really big blow to an already bad secondary. Now, obviously, I could be wrong. The young guys that they brought in could really step up. But as of right now, their secondary to me is still very troubling, which is why I was surprised that they ended up going the route of Jordan Addison in the draft as opposed to getting somebody like a Deontay Banks or maybe a Joey Porter Jr. But who knows, we shall see how it all shakes out. Um, another situation that many people are excited to see how it plays out is Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants. Thus far, he has not signed a new contract and as of today has not yet signed his franchise tender and it doesn't seem like he's exactly in a rush to. Uh, recently, he was asked about the contract situation and did not exactly rule out sitting out this season. He said, I think that's a conversation. Like you said, that's a card I could play. That comes up in a conversation if something doesn't get done by July 17th. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Barkley and the Giants have to come to terms on a long-term contract by July 17th, or he will have to play under the franchise tag, which is worth 10.3 mil. Uh, Saquon added with regards to the conversation, they tagged the top three guys regarding running backs. We didn't even get a chance to hit the open market. They put the cap at 10 mil, and when they have the tag, they have all the leverage. That's the reality. So let's say, let's say conversation. Saquon does actually sit out this season. How do you think the Giants would fare without him?
1: Uh, I definitely don't see them making the playoffs or wild card um, without Saquon. And yeah, and i i I think I think this is a dangerous game to play um, from the standpoint of Saquon because. We've seen another high-profile running back sit out a year and then come back the next year, even though, yes, it was on a different team, and it didn't both a success. Like, I understand you want to try to get your money, but also if you play, you can further prove to people why you deserve more money and not potentially, I don't know, I just feel after the whole Lavion Bell thing, when I hear people say like arms oh, are gonna sit out, like it's a good. I don't. I always think that that's a good idea.
0: I okay, so I'll start off with the Giants tip. I don't think they make the playoffs either. Like, yes, they did make some really good moves this offseason. trading for Darren Waller, um, drafting Jalen Hyatt, uh, bringing in Paris Campbell to add to some speed, like. They have really kind of tailor-made this offense to be faster and getting some more weapons for Daniel Jones. I mean, you're giving him over 40 mil a year. You better have him as the feature player. But I don't trust Daniel Jones. And because of that, I think that without him being in tow, like, yes, Daniel Jones is a much better runner that he gets credit for. He rushed for over 700 yards last year, and I think has seven touchdowns. He had a really, really good year. But you take away Saquon Barkley and over 1,600 yards from scrimmage that he had. What does this Giants offense look like? I don't think it looks as good. And I think that we're going to see the Daniel Jones of old because there's going to be much more pressure on his shoulders because he can't just hand the ball back ball off to one of the best running backs in the league. He's going to have to try to make things happen on his own and hope his receivers get open and not have that blocking element or as good of a running back back there to help him out. So I don't think that's going to work. Um, but with regards to Saquon, I feel you. Like, because... The thing about running back is, because like I said, we're going to get to it, but I think that in today's NFL, I think it does you a big disservice if you don't play. Because on the one hand, 10 mil is the cap for the franchise tag. But realistically, how many other running backs do you think, if they hit the free agent market right now, they will make over 10 mil a year?
1: Um realistically answering that question I probably would say maybe Christian McCaffrey coming off this season maybe John even though he had a down year maybe Jonathan Taylor and that's really it
0: I don't even know if I'll put Jonathan Taylor in that conversation just because this was what his second year or third year Wow, my brain just blanked. Either way, I don't think so just because he hasn't proven too much, even though he had a great year the year before last. But the only one I would say firmly is Christian McCaffrey. But even then, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like maybe a 12 mil or 13 mil a year deal. But the reason I say this is because... We've seen in today's NFL with the devaluation of running backs that, like, low-key, if you're going to get over 10 mil a season, it's more than likely going to come from the team that drafted you and that has known you well and sees what you can do. If you're going to hit the open market, you have to be exceptional. And I love Saquon Barkley, and when he's been healthy, he's been very, very good. But I think we can both agree that his injury history – it's going to lead some teams to be a bit cautious of signing him. And then he's going to take a year off and of not playing football, so he's bound to be a little bit rusty. He's going to have to try to learn a new offensive line, a new blocking steam, a whole new coaches, learn a new offense. I think in that retrospect, he's doing himself a bit more of a disservice by not playing. So I hope that he and the Giants can work something out.
1: Before we move on, so these are the top – Four highest-paid running backs right now, currently. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey sitting at sixteen point oh one mil.
0: Alvin
1: Kamara at fifteen mil. Derrick Henry at twelve point five, and Nick Chubb at twelve point two.
0: Yeah. And that kind of goes to my trend of all three of the four guys you just mentioned. Well, technically four because Christian McCaffrey got his contract signed. That contract when he was with uh Carolina. But all of those guys got that money from the teams that drafted them. And so, I again, I think if they were to hit the free agent market right now, I don't trust that teams would be that willing to give them that much, especially because this is – for all the guys you mentioned, they are clearly focal points of the offense that they are in. And so, especially with the older running backs, if you're expecting these guys to become a focal point of your offense, a brand-new offense for them, I think they're going to have a lot more trepidation in terms of paying them. But – yeah, it's crazy when you look at how much running backs are getting paid or how little they're getting paid compared to other positions on the, along the offense like uh, wide receivers, tight ends, things like that. But our last question about Saquon, do you think that he will be playing for the Giants come week one? Do you think they'll be able to work something out?
1: Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily work something out. I think if he does, like, he'll end up just playing on the on franchise tag just because it's like, again, I think going the whole route of not playing, in some, especially in a position like running back, it potentially does you a disservice than it does benefit you because who knows? The Giants can mess around. Like, it could be a situation where you sit out year. the Giants mess around and break in like an unrestricted free agent, and he goes crazy, and then you're looking up and they're like, well, you know what? We'll just let you go ride out this dude because he's cheaper. Right. Um, so I think he'll play. I don't think that they'll come to an agreement on a contract, but I think he'll play.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and do something a bit fun. So this week, mostly around the NFL, it is the start of mandatory minicamp, which is always an exciting time. We're starting to see star players back, in the, back on the field practicing, seeing new players, rookies the whole kibosh it's a very exciting time but maybe the most exciting time for us nfl draft fans who are excited to see what is going to come next for these rookie players, more specifically, rookie quarterbacks. And so what we're going to do before we play our quick game of believable or buffoonery is predict when rookie quarterbacks are going to get their first starts. Now, as you all know, the better a rookie performs in the offseason, the better the likelihood of them getting to see the field early. So we're going to start off with probably the easiest one of them all, Bryce Young, first overall pick by the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to say week one, easily barring an injury what do you think
1: it's definitely because they already i read an article maybe a day or two ago where they already announced that he's gonna be qb1 yeah. so
0: i know he's been taking so yeah. week one uh i mean uh starting reps so i'm not surprised at all all right so, so yeah. but, oh, i'm sorry uh moving no, I was on. say, yeah, week one. yeah All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the second overall pick, another one that should be easy. Uh, Selected by the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud. Now, in a recent press conference a few weeks ago, last year's starting quarterback, Davis Mills, mentioned that it is still a quarterback competition and he's doing everything he can to keep his starting job. I don't think it's going to work, though. I think C.J. Stroud is the Texans week one starter. Me
1: too.
0: All right, moving on, staying in the same division, going to the fourth overall pick, quarterback Anthony Richardson. I'm torn because on the one hand, I personally wouldn't start him week one. I think that it's best to kind of give him time to develop and grow. But I don't think the Colts are going to do that. I think that because he is a top five pick and, I mean, there's just so much excitement around him and his athleticism, I think he's also going to wind up being a week one starter.
1: I uh- I think the reason he, he'll end up being a week one starter isn't necessarily around him being a top pick in the excitement, but it's more around, like, who would you start in front of him? Gardner Mitchell, like,
0: hands
1: down. I forgot they have Gardner Mitchell. Um, I still, I do think that he'll be a week one starter. I do think, me personally, I think that they should roll out with Gardner Mitchell, though, and let him at most play like five, five or six games and then make a decision like should we bring in Anthony Richardson? Because for one, I hate to say it, I, I don't hate to say it this way, but it's not like y'all are going to win the division with whoever you have, the starting quarterback, regardless. Right. Um, I think that division is kind of, in my opinion, even though I think it might be a down year for the Titans, I still think that division is just a two-team race between the Titans and the Jags at this point. So why not develop your star your potential star quarterback of the future and let him see the couple games?
0: Yeah, and if I'm being honest, roster wise I'm more excited about the Texans than the Colts. So it would not shock me if the Colts messed around and like were the bottom team in this division regardless of who their quarterback was. But yeah, like you said, I mean if it were up to me, I'd probably start Gardner Mitchell off for the maybe first month, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, but I still think it's going to end up being Anthony Richardson week one. All right, now things are going to get a little bit different. We're going to move on to the second round. Uh, first quarterback taken there, which is quarterback Will Levis with the Tennessee Titans. When do you think he gets his first start?
1: Um, I don't think – it. The only, I honestly feel like the only way he'll get a start this season is if trying Hill gets hurt.
0: I think – uh, yes, I think Tannehill and unfortunately like not to wish nothing on Tannehill, but like he's gotten hurt every season. I don't see this is gonna be different. But also I wanna say this is the last year of his contract. And so it absolutely would not surprise me if the team is struggling and maybe around like week 10 to 12, they just want to see what they have. I mean, Malik Willis, they already know who what they have in him. They've seen him start. Hopefully he's gotten better since that time. But I could see them throwing uh, Will Levis a bone just to kind of give him a taste of getting those starting reps. And like I said, especially if they're already out of playoff contention. So if I had to put a specific date on it, I would say week ten. I think they played the Bucks that game, um, but that would be my guess. All right, last but not least, moving on to third round pick quarterback Hendon Hooker of the Detroit Lions. He's the only one who of like the reputable quarterbacks who I genuinely believe is not going to play this year and probably won't get his start till midway through next year, depending on what happens with Jared Goff.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be, like you said, in minimum midway through next year. Um, because, like, I think we talked about it, or you talked about it um, a couple of shows ago. The Lions actually really like Jared Goff, and he's proven to be a success for them. So I think, you know, unless barring injury, that's the only way he'll see the field this year.
0: Yeah, and I mean he's still dealing with an injury of his own coming off that torn ACL, so I can see this being a red shit year. Redshirt year for him. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. Um, It seems like no matter what quarterback he's got the ball thrown to him, he's going to thrive, and that is Miami Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill, who has big expectations for this season. In the recent interview, he said, when asked about the possibility of him topping 2,000 receiving yards, he said, oh, yeah, for sure. I think the added game gives me quite the advantage, so, yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup, I believe, was the closest to it. He had over eighteen hundred yards a couple of seasons ago. So believable or buffoonery? Tyreek Hill will be the first wideout ever to top two thousand yards in a season.
1: I'm gonna say buffoonery simply because, like when Cooper Cup came close, everyone knew Cooper Cup from a receiving standpoint. Cooper Cup was the Rams' whole offense. Yes, like. Matthew Stafford, it's like Matthew Stafford didn't even look at no one else or really throw to anyone else. So much so that to the point where I remember drafting Allen Robinson in fantasy and I had to cut him because he wasn't getting targets. Yeah, it was like, what's the point of him take, having a spot on my team because he wasn't getting targets or anything? So, from the standpoint of Tyreek Hill, I don't see him getting 2,000 yards because he also has another really good supporting cast, wide receiver in Jalen Waddle, and he's going to get uh, he's going to get targets as well. If it was just Tyreek Hill by himself and like some some like mid level kind of wide receivers, I would I would put some stock into it. But when you have a guy on the other side of you that could potentially vibe to be a top top twenty wide receiver, I don't see you getting cracking 2,000 yards.
0: Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I'm calling buffoonery on that as well. All right, we're going back to the running back conversation, but this time we're going to talk about Miles Sanders, former Philadelphia Eagles running back who signed with the Carolina Panthers in free agency. He discussed his frustration with the team after the Super Bowl in saying this, last game of the season, for all the marbles, everybody can answer that question. If they put themselves in my shoes, would they be happy? I don't want to make the headlines, but if it does, I don't care. So believable or buffoonery? The uh, mi- I'm sorry. The Philadelphia Eagles made a mistake letting Miles Sanders walk in free agency.
1: Um, I'm gonna say no, simply because like as the playoffs progressed, you started to see Kenny Gang gaining some traction, and it's not like the Eagles didn't have, like, a running back by committee approach. Yes, he was the one that probably had the most production, but it, it was never like he was never that bell cow. Yeah. He was just the guy that started. And you can still do that with the guys that they have. Like, I think Kenny Gainwell is probably going to be a starter. If not, I think they still have Boston Scott. I think it's going to be,
0: gonna
1: be DeAndre Swift who starts. Okay, I forgot to uh, trade it for him. So, but still, like yeah. you still can have Andre a start. You can bring in Game Well, and he could be like, he could be your dual three scat back. They can run and or catch. Like I don't think they'll regret it nearly as much because, for one, like a key, the key in my personal opinion, the key call to the Eagles' run game last season was Jalen Hurts. 100%. Like you saw when Jalen Hurts didn't play when he came when he had the injury you saw the overall production of their offense went down because so much of their offense revolves around, like, his ability to run, his ability to, like, his ability to run is misdirection and all of those things. So that's – so I don't think it's a big – I don't think they regretted that much that he's gone because I feel like you can still get the same level of production from the guys that they have that he had.
0: Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. And also, like, looking at his Super Bowl numbers, he has seven carries for 16 yards. He was only averaging 2.3 yards a carry. Um, and he fumbled the ball, which I had totally forgotten about. And so in the biggest game of the year, I get it, especially if you're not a guy who's like a major focal point. If you out here fumbling and potentially costing me <laughs> possessions, you're not going to get the ball. And like you said, I mean, Kenny Gainwell was their boss, and Scott had played so well. And so, again, he was a fine player, but I don't think he's one of those guys who was like really turned the tide for that team who really was one of the when you look at that offense and its best players, I wouldn't put him in the top five of that team and if you're not in the top five i think it makes it much easier for a, a team to let you walk out the door which the philadelphia eagles did and one could argue they've gotten better at running back because what they traded for deandre swift they signed rashad penny who went healthy he's been really good and they still got boston scott and uh kenny gainwell in tow so because of that nah i think they're okay but all right last question before we move on to the nba segment of our show I mean, we talked a lot about running backs and with the recent release of Dalvin Cook as well as the contract saga surrounding not only Saquon Barkley but Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard's looking to get paid. And you look at some of the really high quality running backs on the free agent market, it has people really looking at the treatment of running backs around the league. Um, For example, RG3, once it was announced that Dalvin Cook was released, tweeted out this, running backs are getting hosed in the NFL. Dalvin Cook is 27 and coming off four straight thousand yard seasons with 43 rushing touchdowns. He's clearly one of the best players in the NFL and more than earned the money left on his contract. Yet, the Vikings plan to release him? Ridiculous. Current NFL NFL running back Mark Ingram added, "It really is offensive how the league treats running backs. Running backs need their own union and CBA. So believable or buffoonery? Running backs have become the most disrespected position in the NFL.
1: One thousand percent yes. Um, like I'm going to go to, I'm not even going to go to the Dabler Cook. I'm going to go to to the team that we the, the other player that you mentioned." Tony Pollard. So this year, Ezekiel Elliott, it was writing on the wall that he wasn't that he wasn't the guy anymore. Uh, A huge part of it is also coincides with the way that the running back has been devalued. And like, y'all ran that man to the ground, and now just cut ties with him because you don't value him and what he's done. But you look at you look at that Cowboys team. You look at what Dak Prescott did. Dak Prescott didn't didn't play great. He he tied for the lead lead in turnovers. Um, and if I'm I'm remembering correctly, the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs this year, right?
0: Yeah, they went made to the division round, for they got uh, beat by the 49ers.
1: Okay, so yeah, so they made it to the playoffs, and in my personal opinion, could, a big part of it was because of Tony
0: Pollard? Yeah,
1: like. He, if you, if you, being completely honest, if you were to have taken Tony Pollard off of their Cowboys team, their team would not have made the playoffs. Because he, even though he, his numbers as far as yardage look okay, but it's the number of carries that he had to get that wasn't that he was he was turning the ball over. Like the defense was good, but. If you take away that explosive fact that Tony Pollard had on the offense, they wouldn't make the playoffs. You look at Saquon Barkley, same thing. If you take if you took Saquon Barkley off the Giants last year, they wouldn't have made it to the playoffs. Nope. Like all of these, and I get all of these the thing of it is, is like I think like in the case of the Giants specifically, like understanding this, Daniel Jones isn't isn't a star quarterback. Like he, he in my opinion, he's borderline above average. So the star of the offense is Saquon Barkley. Treat him as such. Like, I understand that the league has revol- has reverted to this like pat like past happy league. But also some teams have to zag when other team or most teams did. And like those teams that do it Value the guys that you got. like the like the Giants. Your offense revolves around running the ball. Value Saquon Barkley, according to such, because and then if it gets to a point where Daniel Jones steps up and proves, then you had a hard discussion around it. But right now, in my opinion, get get Saquon his money because if it weren't for Saquon, y'all wouldn't be where y'all are. So I definitely think running backs are devalued.
0: Yeah, I mean there's nothing more i can really add to it i think you really hit it on the head all right let's go ahead and move on to nba updates which the biggest update of them all is after a very long and entertaining nba season it is official that the denver nuggets are our 2022-2023 nba champion so congratulations to them well deserved headed for my main man jimmy butler but hey the better team won so let's go ahead and kind of answer a few questions regarding both teams. Starting off with the Denver Nuggets, we kind of talked about it before that the D- Nikola Jokic was really getting a lot of steam in terms of being considered one of the best centers to ever play this game. Now, I'm not putting him, you know, in the top of the list by any means, but do you think that not only the two MVPs, but this recent championship and just everything else he's accomplished this season has established him as a top ten center of all time.
1: One hundred percent. Like right now, let me think. Try to think
0: of like centers came, you put uh, ahead of him, uh,
1: huh?
0: Of sinners you put ahead of him?
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to throw names out. Kareem Aliz, Hilloney, um, 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 Shaq.
0: Shaq, you already said Shaq could
1: I would Just say Bill thing. Russell. Bill Russell, Kareem. Um,
0: would you put Wilt in front of him?
1: Sure. I mean, I'm not a big Wilt guy, but I got to respect history. So, yeah, I
0: would. All right. So that's what, five? That's five. Um, I know I'm forgetting people, and I feel so bad about it.
1: I mean, like the only other the other names I could think of is like Patrick Ewing and you know, like Alonzo Mourning, but I would put I would put Nicole Jokic above them because like That's fair. if I don't I don't none of them like won E V P or anything like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh so honestly, Nicole Yoke's will be anywhere between six to ten. And
0: that's what I
1: can just think of right now.
0: And that's respectable because when did he get drafted? 2016, 17?
1: Something like that.
0: I mean, his resume is not in – if you really want to broaden it, I mean, in terms of just players of the last decade, his resume matches up with some of the best in the entire league. So, absolutely, yeah. I would agree with you in total. Uh,
1: David Robinson. David Robinson, yeah, you. yeah,
0: yeah. So, the seven, I mean, 7-10. Yeah, it depends on if you
1: include – like, if you want to treat – tim duncan as a power forward or a center i always view him as a power forward i always do it too but i know he spent a lot of his career playing center also but still he was still being like again like the six seven eight to ten range
0: yeah still respectable you i mean i think you take that every day all right now how about stacking up the denver nuggets team with the last five nba champions where would you say that they rank
1: among the last, five, so last year was the Warriors. Warriors the year before, Bucks, Warriors, Bucks,
0: Lakers. Before that, like, was that Raptors and then Warriors?
1: So the only two, the only teams that I probably would say I think are above Denver are those two Warriors teams. Because I could argue that the Bucks and the Denver, they they're kind of they could be in a similar scenario.
0: I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. I mean, yeah, I would take, but I yeah I take this current Nuggets team over the Lakers bubble team, and I would take them over the Raptors. So yeah, and then like you said with the Bucks, it's kind of neck and neck. I think I would go with the Nuggets over the Bucks just because I would take Jamal Murray over both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. So. I think that's what will give them the nod. But all right, let's go ahead and turn things over to the Heat side of things. What's next for Miami? How do you get over the hump? I know you and I have kind of already talked about it with regards to, like, possibly uh, trading for Dame or going after Kyrie. But what do you think they have to do to make sure that they stop coming out on the losing end of the NBA Finals?
1: I think they just need to find, like, find more firepower. I think they like Gabe Vincent and those guys Kayla Martin they played great throughout the whole playoffs but I think the thing of it is is like I love Jimmy Butler a lot I think he's a dog I think he's one of the few like last true alpha males that are in the NBA but because he's it's because he's offensively limited from a scoring standpoint of like he's not really a three point shooter. He tends to like pass up on shots because of the the um because of the way that he's set up and things of that nature. Like, I think you need like you need to find a guy that like in those moments when Jimmy's kinda like when he doesn't have it, a guy that can get you, get you points. Because, I mean, that there was, there was the case of last night. Jimmy, like, to start the game, Jimmy was 3 for 10. And, like, Miami was in it. But let's say not even – like, let's not even say, like, a Dame or a Kyrie. But let's say, like, a guy like Fred Van Fleet. Right. Like, you got a guy like him who can steal a score and be productive. Like – they, in my opinion, they could go from being like a "Hey, we the game is the game is close to the game is tied to like hey we might have a ten point lead and then when Jimmy Butler turns it on in the fourth quarter like he always does this feels the deal for a victory. I just think they need to find and I know some of it also had, had to take place with Tyler Hero being out. He kind of served that role for Miami uh, when he was healthy. But like that's what I think I think that's what they need. It's like 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 and maybe in some cases, maybe Jimmy like especially because he's like a I I flow, I do things in the flow of what the team needs in this moment. Like early on in games you might just need a guy to be like, Hey, just go get a bucket and like we'll let Jimmy do Jimmy and then when Jimmy decides to like we need for Jimmy to be Jimmy then you kind of, like, play off of him. And that's what I think they need. Um, so that's what I think the next step is, like, finding the guy that could potentially, like, be a bucket and then play off of Jimmy when they need to play off of Jimmy.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, you and I are in total agreement, especially because, again, everybody in mama know I love me some Jimmy Butler. But when you look at that game, the Heat were absolutely in it. And I'm not going to say that the Nuggets were giving that game away, but they were shooting 17% from three. If literally somebody else would have stepped up just a little bit more, they could have took it back to Miami. And they just did not have that extra person who can give them a bit more of that fire. And so, yeah, I think they do need to find somebody who can acquire that. I would love to see a Fred VanVleet in that situation or maybe a Dame or someone along those lines. Hell, maybe Bradley Beal finally wants to leave Washington. I think he could be a great fit there. But it's just something has to change because the Miami Heat are very good. But to be a champion, you have to be great. And I just don't think that they are great with this current roster. And I think they're going to have to work and try to figure out who is the best person to help get them over that hump. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some roster news, starting off with our NBA champion Denver Nuggets. Earlier in the week, they made a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, where they will be acquiring the least favorable of Oklahoma City's first-round picks in 2024, the 37th overall pick in the 2023 draft, and the 2024 second-round pick for a protected 2029 first-round pick. Essentially, they did all this to keep their championship window open, which is obviously very smart. Uh, Continuing on with some league news, the Toronto Raptors have found their new head coach, in Darko Rojovic, who served as the assistant coach for the Memphis Grizzlies and was beloved by the team. Um, he's a Serbian native who, aver- who emerged out of the Raptors' exhaustive search um, to sell Raptors president Mazzi Azuri and general manager Bobby Webster on his candidacy to replace Nick Nurse. Now, there was a, quite a few names mentioned in this head coaching search, but now that we know the direction that they're going in, we'll get to Fred Van VanVleet in literally a couple minutes. But do you think that this hiring leans more towards they're gonna to try to keep the th- team together and compete or that they're gonna to try to blow it all up?
1: I think it's either they're going to blow it all up or they're going to have, like, a middle ground where they might keep certain pieces and then that other pieces go, i.e., like, Fred. Like, I know we're going to get to him in a second, but I think he was a piece that they decided, like, hey, we're just going to have to let him go. Um, I think they're with, and I think they said it. Like, everybody's, everybody can be traded or everybody can go outside like, and I think that's what, they, that's what they are. It's like, some obviously, I think some of those guys are going to stay on their team just because you're not going to, like, get rid of everybody. But I think, like, Scott, they're going to try to build their team around making Scottie Barnes the focal point. And, and that's going to mean, like, other people are going to be um, removed from their team. Um, as a Grizzlies fan, you know, <clears throat> OG Ananobi can go ahead and come to Memphis. Right. But, like... I, that's what I think is either going to be a I don't think it's going to be a complete and total rip like blow up like I can see a guy like Gary Trent maybe still being there unless the contender really makes a push to try to bring him like pos, I can see Pascal Siakam being gone Um. so yeah
0: speaking of Scotty Barnes I finally assimilated and got the new 2K he is by far my least favorite teammate I hate playing with him neither here nor there I think they are going to end up blowing it up if not for any other reason just to kind of get a fresh start because I think that as long as you have the current guys on your roster and this sounds bad but you're still hoping like hey maybe we do have a not a championship window necessarily but maybe we could be a playoff team maybe we could compete but at every year you guys kind of find yourselves in that playing situation especially if Fred actually does end up leaving and so because of that I think it kind of makes more sense to just go ahead and try to not necessarily start from scratch, but just try to accumulate as much draft picks as you can so you can kind of build the team up and build it around Scotty to kind of create a new future for this team and kind of rinse away the old um, and just try to, a new way of doing things. You now have a new head coach. You're going to have a lot of new personnel. I think that in doing that, it helps to go ahead and start that process. But like I mentioned, we were going to get to Fred VanVleet and we are going to do so as of right now. Yesterday, the first major uh, domino of NBA free agency has fallen. After it came out that VanVleet has declined his $22.8 million player option and will become an unrestricted free agent in July. Now, sometimes players decline their player option and end up coming back to a team just because they want to get a long-term deal done. But that's a boring way of thinking. So let's say Fred VanVleet really is done with Toronto. Tell, who should be the first team calling him? Um,
1: In my opinion, it's a tie between Miami
0: and the Lakers. Um, I'm biased. I definitely want it to be the Lakers because like I told you last night, I don't want Chris Paul. I don't really want to keep uh, D-Lo and I don't think Kyrie is going to come. And so I feel like in terms of the most realistic option, I think Fred VanVleet is the best fit But I could see Miami coming in and trying to poach him. Um, But I kind of just mentioned Chris Paul, and we have to talk about him as well. So reportedly, a few days ago, it was announced that he was waived. However, uh, current Suns head coach Frank Vogel said, we did not waive Chris Paul, but there's ongoing conversations about all of the options to improve the roster. He added, he, speaking of Chris Paul, has done so much for this team in the last few years, so I'm really hopeful to have an opportunity to work with him this next year. And I think he can really get us over the top. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't necessarily think that he can get the Suns over the top, but stranger things have happened. And so with all these conversations taking place about Chris Paul and whether or not he will or won't be a Phoenix Sun this upcoming year, we've heard Lakers, I've heard Suns, Celtics, whoever. What do you think – where do you think is the best fit for CP3 if he is, in fact, released from the Suns? Um,
1: I mean – it's a multitude of places. Like, it re- to me, honestly, really depends on, like, is he willing to take less money? Yeah. Because if he's not willing to take a, a, a massive pay cut, I don't know where he'll – I don't know what team will be willing to give him a big or a medium to big contract. Like, I'm thinking Chris Paul. Like, at this point in his career – he was. He's a a serviceable point guard. He's still above average from the standpoint of like controlling the game. But like you're not because I think he was supposed to be slated to get like what forty million. Something if ridiculous.
0: Him.
1: But like you're not. You're not that level of player. So like if you get waived and they take your contract and they like you can't expect for a team to bring it back. I think. um... I mean, what I'm about to say, I can see, I can see also making sense. I don't know if it will actually happen, but if the Clippers don't resign Russ, I think he could be a perfect addition to like have a, a LA Clippers reunion with Paul George and Kawhi. I think the only thing is, is you'll have three guys that always get hurt like every year on the same team. So. That's the only reason why I would be against it. But I think that could be good because at this point in his career, like, he's not a guy that's looking to score 20-plus. He's more so the guy that's looking to set up other people. And, like, he can set up Chris Paul – not Chris Paul. He can set up Paul George and Kawhi when they're healthy. Um, Another team being, depending upon, like, what other moves they make, a team like Chicago – Um. You know, me and you have talked about it in previous episodes. I was looking like Lonzo Ball might not be able to play basketball anymore. And if that's the case, the Bulls need a starting point guard. And, you know, Chris Ball can come in, especially if they make moves on, on their roster that make the roster, um, they can kind of construct their roster better than it's been. Like, you could look up Bring in Chris Ball. Maybe trade DeMar so you can get and get a small forward that's more of a 3-and-D guy and pair him up with the guys you have. You can have a playoff team in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the ones that I can kind of think of. Like, I can see L.A., but it's also, like, I think what L.A. needs is, L.A. needs, like, a scorer because with LeBron big in his later years and later years in his career, like, you, you don't want to look for LeBron to be the guy that goes out and tries to drop 40. You want to, be, you want to see LeBron as a guy that's like, hey, I'm going to get you this smooth, like 20 to 25, and I'm going to have, like, 8 to 10 assists and, like, 6 to 7 rebounds. That's what I think you should look for from LeBron, not the guy to get 40. And I think you might need a guy. You might look up and need a guy that can get you 30-plus, and that's what they need, in my opinion. Yeah, I hear you on
0: that. All right. So when the news originally came out that apparently Chris Paul was going to be waived, um, it had people speculating as to what exactly were the Phoenix Suns plan going to be regarding replacing him at point guard. And reportedly ESPN's Ramona Shelburne said this, the Phoenix Suns don't waive Chris Paul unless they feel pretty good about somebody else. I want you to keep your eye on James Harden. We all know James Harden is going to be another interesting domino this off season. Has experience playing with KD um, in both uh, Oklahoma City and in Brooklyn. Neither exactly worked out, but who knows? Do you think that if CP three was to be gone, James Harden would be a good replacement? I would say no, but I'll let you expand if you like.
1: Oh no, I, I mean you kind of just point. I I removed the Oklahoma City because when they played in the Oklahoma City, they were young. Um, they were they were growing up and like
0: they grew up together essentially.
1: Yeah, but and like you weren't able to get Pika Powell power was Kevin Durant and James Harden together. So I'll take that away. But like you, we've already seen this. Like we've seen James Harden come to a team with the hopes of playing with Kevin Durant and another star, and we saw that it didn't work out. I think like I think what like the... What the Suns need is like they need their starting point guard to be a good role player, like a guy that can potentially play defense, initiate offense, doesn't necessarily can knock down a three point shot. Because at the end of the day, like when they're both healthy, the ball is gonna be in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant's hand almost every possession. Right, and we bring in a guy like. When you bring in a guy like um, James Harden, in my opinion, you're taking away from it. Now, at least you can get James Harden for a cheap price tag, then maybe it might be worth a try. But I I just think they need, like, a, like yeah, they don't need a guy to come in and be like this, try to make it like a, a quasi-semi-super team. They just need a good role player because they have the two stars. They just need to fill out. And even in fact, they have a, a somewhat of a third star if you're able to get the most out of him in DeAndre Ayton. Hey, you just need guys. You need glue guys around mm-hmm. those guys. And James Harden using a glue guy in my opinion.
0: And I mean, not only that, but if they were to actually waive Chris Paul and save over $40 million in cap, use that money to get depth. I mean, they traded all that depth away to get Kevin Durant still remains to be seen if they're going to get the fruits of their labor for that but so i think that honestly like you said just get it doesn't have to be nobody spectacular just somebody serviceable and kind of use that extra money to kind of build up the rest of the roster because i don't think having james harden until was going to make them exceptionally better i mean he's still very inconsistent you don't exactly know what you're going to get from him on a night-to-night basis and if he's cheap that's one thing but like you said He's going to take possessions away from Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, who are obviously your best players. And we've seen uh, James Harden on teams where he hasn't been the guy and he's clearly felt some type of way about that. And so because of that, I think that going to a situation like Phoenix wouldn't work for either the team or him. So I would stray away from that if I could. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery before we get out of here. Let's go ahead and talk to Memphis Grizzlies. And no, this has nothing to do with jaw suspension. Uh, Recently, Jaron Jackson was on Paul George's podcast and talked about the effect of their – first time, first round exit to the Los Angeles Lakers. And while of course he admitted that he was upset about it at the time, Jaron said that he feels like getting humble was the best thing that happened to the team. And he explained that being leveled by LeBron and the Lakers has made them hungrier than ever to come out into this next season and be better. So, believable or buffoonery, the Grizzlies' first round exit was a blessing in disguise.
1: 100%. I mean so I'm going to say belie- believable um, I mean if you think about it look at the team that just won the championship Denver like in my personal opinion Denver is a team that's in a, a similar lane of like the early um, like early Denver was, is the team that's similar to like White Now's, um Grizzlies they had a bunch of they had a bunch of young guys they had a young dynamic duo and like the only difference was they didn't talk crap nearly as much as the Grizzlies did. But they took they they took their lumps and they mm-hmm. growed and they learned and the front office learned. And like that's what I think this year in particular happened for the Grizzlies is like I think the whole team as a whole learned. Not even just the players, not even just the coaches, but even the front office of being like, Okay, like let's reevaluate and see what kind of guys you have in our organization because as a as a Grizzlies fan, for, shoot, I'm not going to say my whole life because they want to team my whole life. But basically, from I want to say like 2006 to now, like everyone said, like, hey, like people had issues with Jerry. Jerry's starting to prove people wrong with his play on the court. Everyone loves Ja. Off the court issues aside, but as a player, everybody loves him. Everybody loves Dez. Every fan was saying, like, hey, we get, we like the dealing intensity and all of those things, but at some point, that's going to cost us the way that he plays and the way that he jabs up shots. In this series, this past series against the Lakers, it showed. I mean, last year, when we like, and the thing of it is, is I think in previous seasons, we had built-in excuses to why like, it didn't affect, it didn't bother people nearly as much. Like last year when they lost to the Warriors, it's like, oh, they we lost because Ja got hurt. I still think that, but it's like, hey, like this year, yes, Ja hurt his hand, but Ja also played good and played decent with the injury. Right.
0: He dropped so 40, I I, what was that, game five? No, game three, yeah. I think, with his hand hurt.
1: And so I think, like they, they needed to be humble. They needed to go. It's growing pains, and that's the thing. Like if you think about every, like every great, every great player had to go through it. Jordan had to go through it. Kobe had to go through it. LeBron had to go through it. Every great player, every great team did. Like every team, like dynasties didn't just become dynasties because like, oh, we we went to the playoffs one year, we started winning and as soon as we went. Like, they had a couple of L's before they went. So, and I'm not saying I think the Grizzlies is going to be a dynasty, but I definitely think that like, they this was something that they needed because now they can go into this upcoming season, once they get past all the jaw drumming off the court antics and be like, hey, look, we we lost, Let's take this series and let's go win. Cause they, the, the reality is, is like it's it's only a handful of teams that I think in the NBA that I think are more talented, top to bottom, than the Grizzlies. Not that many, but the difference is that those those other teams that are more talented, they have like a they have a more serious business like approach to it, like Denver. Like Nikoliogis when they when they interviewed him last night, first thing he said was "Job done, we can go home now." Yeah, like they were about to like they were like, "Look, bro, we we don't care what's going on, but when we finally win, that's when we gonna start to celebrate."
0: Exactly. So, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Alright, uh, I'm gonna say believable as well. All right, let's move on to some more possible trade rumors. So, after making a blockbuster trade for Rudy Gobert last offseason, which I think is safe to say it didn't exactly work out, it could potentially lead to another big move coming from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, some executives reportedly believe that the believe that the Timberwolves will trade Paul Anthony Towns in the next few weeks. I don't exactly think that the combo of him and Rudy Gobert work necessarily, but I'm still a bit skeptical about this. So, believable or the funnery. The Timberwolves will trade Cat this offseason.
1: Um, I think it's believable. Um, I'm going to be honest. I think it's – me and you both, everyone knows I'm not a Cargant in the Towns fan, but I think it's dumb. I get – probably don't want to try to really go bear a year after basically giving up your whole team to get him and also you're not gonna but get much for him you're not but I think in my opinion keeping Cat would would make more sense than keeping Rudy sure because like in my opinion like Kat's skill set it still matches well with Anthony Edwards because like Cat can shoot he, unless it's one of the things where, like, behind closed doors, like it's a it's a it's some turmoil between Cat and, and around, like who's the guy? And I don't know it could be, but like that's the only reason why I would see trading Cat will make sense of like he doesn't want to re- realize the fact that he's actually the second best player in, and and's the first. So, but I'll say believable.
0: I'll say believable as well. Like I said, like I mean, like you, I think it makes more sense to get rid of Rudy. But, I mean, I think it comes down to two things. One, sunk cost fallacy. You just gave up all these picks and players to get him like you don't want to give up after one season. And two, by comparison, you'd get much more for Cat than you would Rudy Gobert at this point of, this point of their career. So, I could see Cat being the one out, but I wouldn't make that trade if I didn't exactly have to. And when I say that, I just mean by getting rid of Rudy Gobert. Like, not saying I think Cat is, like you said, the best player. Like, that's easily in. But all right, last but not least, I don't think any NBA player, including those in the NBA Finals, have been talked about more over the past week than Zion Williamson. For those of you who don't know what it is, we are not going to get into it right now. Just go on Twitter. You'll read all about it. But needless to say, it has been a lot of negative press coming his way, leading some fans to believe that, who knows, maybe he could use a fresh start. Um, One fan on Twitter proposed this trade idea. Damian Lillard to the New Orleans Pelicans for Zion Williamson. Um, He added, Lillard and McCollum were always missing a forward, and Brandon Ingram is that dude. And Portland Trailblazers can take some time with Zion and build a core with Anthony Simons, Cam Reddish, Shaden Sharp and the number three overall pick. So, believable or buffoonery, a Zion for Damian Lillard swap will be a win for both sides.
1: Buffoonery. Um, because in my opinion, for that to happen, I think for one, adding Dame to New Orleans roster the way that it's constructed is essentially like him going back to previous years in Portland.
0: Yeah,
1: like like at this point, if Dame's getting traded, Dame has to go to a team that like go to a team that's a championship-contending team.
0: Yeah,
1: and then I'm New Orleans, it could be a win for Zion because it's like you can get a change of scenery. Um, I don't. No, the extent of like how he was like some of his weight issues did actually occur from living in New Orleans. Because I mean, I've been a, I've been like five times in New Orleans. so was amazing. So, but like, and yeah, I'm just gonna say no. I just th- I think he's I think it would be more one-sided because I think Zion could be a guy like he can go to Portland, maybe be turn turn things around, and then kind of just. Be like a fan favorite, I don't think he'll win anything, but like, I don't think Dame will win anything in the Warriors either. So it's like, might as well try to go to a team where you actually can win.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say buffoonery as well, more so for the Dame side of things. Like, Brandon Ingram obviously is a very good three, but I still don't think that makes the Pelicans supremely better than like you said his best teams in Portland so because of that I think they still be a mid-level playoff team that still doesn't get over the hump unless they make some other really really big moves so I'm gonna call buffoonery but from the Portland side I think it actually sounds pretty interesting but all right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes are our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Export. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Oh, uh, it's about
1: to be—it's about to be a couple of some boring months for your boy because I ain't nothing to watch. Outside of wrestling, that's probably what I also kind of started to get back into. It.
0: Hey, there's nothing wrong with watching some wrestling. Money in the bank is coming up, and for the first pay per view and like two or three pay per views, I can actually be at home and watch it live. I'm very excited about that because Money in the Bank is gonna be a banger. Um, I mean, you don't like baseball at all?
1: So I only I casually watch baseball i only really got into it for real when i played because i played baseball in high school for four years
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that's when i watched it but like once i stopped watching it i i mean once i stopped playing it i stopped watching it uh, outside of like playoff time and it's like a certain like like rival teams that i know about like cardinals cubs or like yankees race i might watch a couple innings but like, I'm not sitting in front. I'm not sitting in front of my TV to watch baseball.
0: I feel that. I'll say this about baseball: I have more fun actually going to baseball games as opposed to just watching them on TV. Like, baseball is not like football where I could just sit in front of my TV all day and just watch games. Could not do it. But I do like baseball. Um, I'm definitely gonna watch more of it this summer. But again, it's not like my favorite sport. Like, even in the playoffs, I'm not gonna watch a baseball game over a football game. That's never going to happen. I would pick a preseason football game over any baseball game ever. Um, But baseball is still cool. I would recommend going to Redbirds games. They are a blast and a half. Um, I've been to two games so far, and I definitely want to go to more um, next time I visit Memphis or next time I come to Memphis. But, uh, yeah, wrestling is awesome, and wrestling is great. We're going to have Money in the Bank predictions coming up soon and we're about to be in the nfba offseason which we all know is the craziest offseason in all of sports as well as nfl stuff coming up so please be on the lookout for all of that again thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you all next time